0: Oh,
1: I you washed up. Sorry? <laughs> Welcome to the island of discarded women, my friend. I used to be somebody. Are you that no, woman no, on the radio? Your island job is peladora de papas.
2: Uh, sorry, what?
3: Potato peeler. 87% match for uh, your skills.
2: Okay, that's not... Anyway, what is the second best match, then? Host of the island podcast. Are you kidding me? No, no, see, that's me. That, that's perfect for
0: me. And darling, don't compare. A diamond in... Love
1: You, Sue Scott, you have radio talents from years and years and years of work that not just everybody has. And so what you need to do is take the experience that you've had and uh, put it into creating your own circumstance for doing those same things. I
2: know, Paula. I know what I need to do. I know what I need Sue. to do, Paula. I Sue. know what I need to do. Hey. I know what? What? Oh, what?
4: Uh, it's, it's okay. Oh. You, you,
2: you were dreaming.
4: You were oh. talking in your sleep. Oh, yeah. sorry. Sorry. Uh, was it Paula Poundstone again? Yeah, it was Paula Poundstone.
2: <laughs> she's still telling you what you need to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She always tells me what to do. She's right, though. I mean, she's always right. Anyway, I'm so sorry I woke you up over there. No,
4: no, it's okay. I, I was already awake. Oh, really? How come? I don't know. Um, thinking about stuff.
2: What, about your amazing story at the wine bar? Right. Oh, it was so good, Day. It was really, really good. I mean, it, it was kind of scary. Oh, I'm sure, but I just thought it was very touching and very, very moving. Really? Yes! When you talked about everyone laughing when the shaman said that you were too social and and you're wondering why you can't just be you. Day, it's okay to be your amazing, gregarious self.
4: Yeah, I know, but it, it's not the quote-unquote typical mongrel image. Oh, you know, you know what? what? Screw him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the feminist in me says screw him. Yeah. You know, I don't have to be quiet, no. waiting to help in the kitchen. Heck no! But I also don't want to disappoint my family. Yeah, yeah, I get, I get that. You like know, that. I think sharing that story made me more sad. Why? I don't know. You know, I'm here on this island, and I didn't want to come here, and I don't know how to leave. Mm. So what good does it do to share those feelings here? Oh, gosh, are
2: you kidding me? Your courage to get up there and bury your soul is incredibly inspiring to me. I don't think I can get up there and be that honest. You set a very high bar, little one.
4: Well, I'm just trying to find the confidence in my own confidence. Mm. Does that Mm. make sense? Uh, Yeah. Huh. You still awake? Yeah, I'm
2: I'm thinking about that. Hmm. So, what's your
4: story? I'm old. Oh my gosh, you are not. No, I am. I'm
2: old. That's what they said. That's why I'm here. You're old. You're too old to be on public radio. Oh my god. Oh, people sound creepy and weird. No, it would be so no. disturbing to our listeners. Oh, my God. If they had to endure your crack, oh ancient voice, they would just turn off their radios and stop renewing their sustaining membership. So you're too silly. <laughs> stop. Away with you, they would say. Away oh with you to an island. You are banished. And never to return to bother us with your decrepit little lady voices. Oh,
4: really? Yeah. <laughs> and your little dog, too. Oh, stop it. <laughs> sorry, I'm
2: sorry, I got carried away.
4: Yeah. Actually, hmm. that was a pretty funny voice you just did. <laughs> <laughs> that was
2: no funny voice, youngin. That was the truth. Oh, I don't know. You know what? I feel like I'm in a box. Yeah. I mean, I'm just mm-hmm. I'm trying to be more myself these days. And yeah. everyone's saying, no, 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 you have to do your funny voices from the radio show. Uh-huh. That's why we love you. Uh-huh.
4: <sighs> So What voices are you talking about?
2: You know, you know, you know I'm Dwayne's mom and uh-huh. and she, Okay, okay, okay. I just I just I just saw what you just did there. Okay, I see. No, I see, no, see, no. I'm okay. asking
4: for a real. You know, yeah. I never heard that show. Okay, you know, just, it's just different
2: styles, you know, accents and ages. Okay. It's not that I don't like doing character voices and funny voices. Are you kidding me? I love them. It's just I don't know, maybe I just want to
4: try something else. All right. Then do something else. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Seriously. Yeah.
1: You, <laughs> Sue Scott, oh. you have radio talent.
2: You shut your- up.
1: Jeez.
2: Okay. You ever hear of Ricky Nelson?
4: No. Should I have?
2: Doesn't matter. Doesn't. You know what? You know what? Okay. You want know ask Mary sometime.
4: I'll do that. I'll you do know. that. Yeah.
2: You know we should probably go back to sleep. We have those auditions tomorrow for Nancy's play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A cautionary tale in seven acts, where everyone asphyxiates on carbon emissions at the end of the play. The The end end of of the the world. world. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Ram the airports. Ram.
4: What are you going for? I don't know yet. What about you? I want to be one of the um, climate change scientists. Yes.
2: Do it. Day. Girl. Climate change scientist.
4: (laughs) Yes. And I finally make my parents proud.
2: You would. You would. She wore a white lab coat and nothing else. A lanyard around her supple neck says, Dr. Day. She's come to save the planet. And her reputation with her Hmong elders. She's doctored day. by night. And doctor Day by day. <laughs> okay, okay, oh, okay. So Ricky Who? Never mind. Okay. Just, never mind. Never mind. You know what? Ask Mary. Seriously, ask Mary. Fine,
4: fine, fine, fine.
2: So anyway, good night.
4: Night.
2: You, you. Sue Scott. Ah, good night.
0: La-da-dee-da-da La-da-dee-da-da You can't please everyone So you
5: gotta please yourself Hey, 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 hey! You, you must be our new neighbor. Oh, hey! Yeah, yeah! I just got in late last night. Wow, you washed up late last night? Well, um, I didn't actually wash up. I arrived. Uh, uh, uh sorry, what? I got here a
2: different way. Uh, oh, okay, I'm totally confused. Everyone here washes up. Well, I didn't, I came by boat. You came here by boat? Yeah. Okay, I'm still totally confused. How do you know about this place? Well, from your
5: podcast. You know my podcast? Oh, yeah. How? Well, I stumbled onto it, online. See, I was searching for tips for discarding old electronics. Okay, wait, I- wait,
2: wait, 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 wait. Okay. okay, 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 back up, back up, back up. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, hi, I'm Sue, and you are. Uh, I'm Mo. Oh, great. Hi, Mo. Okay, okay. So let's see. Okay, now back where we were. You heard about this
5: island from my podcast, mm-hmm. and you came here by cruise ship. Okay, now a cruise ship brought you here? Oh, uh, no, a cruise ship came close to here, and then I paid a man to steal one of the lifeboats, and he brought me here. Okay, so. You, You came here on purpose. Oh, completely. Uh, Here's the deal. Okay. I'm a writer, and I'm doing research for a book. I want to interview the women on this island about their journeys toward embracing their true selves. You know, bucking the fear-based messages around growing older, reinventing or inventing themselves, Mm -hmm. uh, developing agency in their own lives. And I would love to interview you. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, I'm actually on my way to an audition
2: right now, but you know what? You could come, you could meet all the women who actually
5: did wash up. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, but I'm actually, I'm doing the open mic at the wine bar tonight. Okay, that's super fast. Yeah. Well, why not, right? Yeah. I mean, if I want the women here to share their stories with me, it's, it's only fair that I should share one of my own first. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, and I really should prep a little bit.
2: Sure, okay, yeah, well, let's, well, we'll see you tonight then. Yes, you will. Okay, wait, so my podcast came up while you we were searching for ways to discard old electronics. Oh, yeah, first page. Wait a minute, we were on the first page of a discarded Google shirt? Uh-huh. Oh, that is
1: awesome. The shrew my very heart, I think you are happy in this second match, for it excels your first, or if it did not, your first is dead, or as good he were is living here and you no use of him. Thank you. Oh, that was
3: incredible.
1: <laughs> the cast
3: list will be up soon. Okay, thank you, thank you. Uh, okay, Sue, you're next. Break a leg. It's oh,
2: thank a- you, thank you. That's fine. in. <laughs> um, okay, well, um, as you suggested, I prepared something from the Lorax, okay, uh-huh. so. Oh. But once, said the one slur, now that you're here, um. the word of the Lorax seems perfectly clear. So, Yes, what? Sorry? Uh,
3: I have a very special favor to
2: ask you. Oh, okay.
3: Remember when I announced the auditions and I said there were three groups of characters in the play? The scientists who are trying to find solutions to global warming, yep. the activists who are cleaning up the oceans and planting trees and rescuing wildlife, uh-huh, right. and then there's the group that makes fun of the activists and keeps the scientists from publishing their findings. Right, the
2: Republicans. Right. Yeah.
3: And uh-huh. no one wanted to be a Republican. Yeah. But I have to have them in the play because they are a fact of life.
5: Right. I gotcha. So...
3: so They will now be played by puppets.
2: Right. You know, that is a... You know, that is such a great idea. Well, uh,
1: Sue...
3: I want you to be the voice of the lead Republican puppet. Oh, Nancy, no,
2: I I, I, I don't, don't do want to be. You do great voices. Sue, you're so gifted. No, but I want to play an activist. No one will see your face. Yeah, my friends will be grossed out. You can wear a mask. A, or an environmentalist. And a hat.
3: We'll uh, put you behind a curtain. I'm progressive. We won't have you in the program. We I mean, won't have a program. I love this planet. A gag order. No one will know it's you. Please, Sue. <laughs> we have to have a voice for the Republicans or no one will really listen to the crap they're saying. Please.
2: (laughs) All right, fine. Where's the script?
3: Yeah, just just look it over. All right, let's see here.
2: Climate change is a Chinese hoax. The Chinese invented global warming to make us less competitive. Uh We should open more coal mines and drill for oil in the ocean. There's pro... You know, and I can't even say this, Okay, now,
3: now, now work with me. All right, all right, all
2: right. Try it seductively, like a spy. Okay, climate change is a Chinese hoax. The Chinese invented it to make us less competitive. Okay, okay, now now, make it meaner. Climate change yeah. is a Chinese yeah. hoax yeah. to make us less competitive. We need more coal.
1: Oh, that's
3: that's good. Okay, but, okay. let me hear it as though you're a condescending mom.
2: Okay. Oh, honey, climate change is a Chinese hoax. Good, now make it a man. Climate change is a hoax. Who's really old.
3: Climate change is a hoax. And he's got wooden teeth.
2: Climate change is a hoax. And they're loose. Climate change and he spits is a... a lot. Climate change is a hoax. The Chinese invented it to make us less competitive. We need uh, more coal, more oil, and more blasting. For drilling in the ocean, there are still profits to be made. That's it!
3: That's the voice of the Republican puppet! Stupid! Oh my God! What
2: a rush! All right, all right, all right. I guess I could play stupid. All right.
3: Dear Joe... I was so tickled to get your letter, honey, and I was frankly a little amazed that it found me since I'm not really sure where I am. I've been here on the island of discarded women about six weeks now by my count. And even though at the start I was so nervous and homesick, I'm feeling better every day. Guess what? I've been encouraged to produce my play, The End of the World, right here on the island. You know the one about global warming? I even get to direct and pick the cast Audition started today, but before I get to that, you asked if I knew where the scissors are, and they should be in the utility drawer, where I always keep them. But if you use them and you think they might be with your tools, well, just go buy a new pair.
5: Life is short.
3: Use one of the gift cards. Dear Mr.
5: Big Shot Publisher Man, I'm following up on the book proposal I sent you four months ago. Uh, Despite your lack of response, I wanted to let you know that I have arrived here on the island of discarded women, and I anticipate being able to start interviews as soon as next week. So if you're still interested, I would... Dear Tommy,
6: I know you must be wondering where I am. I put myself in a temporary timeout on the island of discarded women. Please forgive my big, fat, angry black woman tantrum. I'm just so tired of hearing the word no. No, you didn't get the job. We've decided to go in a different direction. No, we can't pay you a living wage. We're paying everyone the same salary as the poodle, the five-year-old, and the guy who just graduated college. It's more equitable. But... You know, I I also realize there are times when no is acceptable. Like last week when the waiter said, no ma'am, I can't give you happy hour prices when it's not happy hour. (laughs) Or even yesterday when I was told, no Regina, your husband cannot have an all access pass to our secure building. I'm thinking this no business is a big problem. And I think it stems from me not being able to say no. I am the yes queen. I was saying yes before Shonda Rhimes wrote Year of Yes. Shonda, I look forward to your next book,
4: How I Learned to Say No and Feel Good About It. Dear Two, it's odd being here. I shared my story the other night, and I got such an amazing response. I just wish that those who I wanted to hear it could hear it. Like you. I want you to hear it. Actually, someone probably recorded it and put it on the internet, so you can try soundcloud.com slash I-O-D-W. It, it should be there. But you know, I miss you. And I wish you were here because I could really use your support right now. But that's okay. I, I know you're probably at home watching basketball, but you know, if you miss me, I'll be here.
3: Joe, I am so thrilled that you're finally making progress on your lifelong dream to build a real-time machine, and absolutely, I would enjoy meeting Alexander the Great. But first, I want to see the future, because you know how I worry about the planet. I figure if we travel in your machine to the year 2050, and we find the planet in better shape, the air and water cleaner, the ozone layer repaired, and the climate scientists doing their work, well, we'll know who's going to win the election next year. But if we travel to 2050 and the planet is gone, it means we'll know who's going to win the
2: election next year. And then we will go see
3: Alexander the Great. Dear
2: Minnesota Public Radio, I would really appreciate it if you would stop sending me your member communications. I am no longer a member I actually don't know how you found me but I don't need the tote bags I don't need the t-shirts I don't really need to hear from you ever again truthfully FYI I still do listen to all things considered and I really enjoy Audie Cornish
1: dear Kate hi I love you in my last letter I left a couple of things out and it's been bothering me ever since I told you about being discarded and what that means, but I left out a really important thing, maybe the most important thing. This is hard to write. I wish I could be sitting on the edge of your bed and look you in the eyes so you could hear my tone, you know? At the same time, letters have a lot of impact. I still have letters from my mom and my grandma. Anyway, I'm stalling. Oh, dear, smart, talented girl, here it is. This country, this world, does not like you. Not just you, girls, women. And as I write that, I think, my God, who tells their own child this? And then the same part of me says, who doesn't? But it's true. And it's a hard lesson to learn the hard way, which is how so many women my age and beyond learned it. We fell when we learned. And you don't have to be up very high to fall. Never has it been more obvious that girls, in particular, are vulnerable to the worst parts of unchecked male power and privilege. At worst, they are hurt. At best, they are discounted. I could go on and on, my love, but I really want to keep this focus because there's power in keeping it simple. Out there in the world, girls and women are considered less than at worst every single girl and woman knows or will know what it means to not be safe. At best every single girl and woman knows or will know what it means to lose out, to be paid less, looked over, dismissed. It's not fair. It sucks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it's the truth. Eyes open, my love. Embrace this world with joy and empathy. Be kind. But baby girl, When the time comes, and it will, oh my God, it will, fight. Don't leave your drink alone. Learn to kick. Ask for what you're worth. Don't be afraid of rejection. And keep your eyes open so you can see your allies. It may seem crazy to you, but I think there's hope for you and your generation knowing this truth. See, you can keep walking forward then instead of falling over and over. Either way, I got you. I love you.
3: Mom, I'll write
1: back again next week.
3: Joe, of course I miss you, but I have to be honest. I'm feeling, I'm feeling exhilarated. For all my life, I've, I've seen myself as someone's daughter, someone's sister, someone's niece, someone's girlfriend, someone's wife, mother, grandmother. I've always been someone's fill in the blank. But here with all these women, I'm just me. They don't even know any of you. They don't even ask about you. So when, I, so when I get to speak, I'm just speaking for myself without worrying about what you all might think. It doesn't make me love you less, and I don't know that it has made a big difference in what I have to say, but it feels different. Anyway, I better wrap this letter up. There's one drone pickup a day, and I want this to get to you as soon as possible (laughs) so you can write back right away. I love you, Nancy. Eagerly awaiting your response, Mo. Yes,
6: I'm coming home. Love you lots. Bye. Write soon, Dave.
1: Your former member, Sue. (laughs) I love you so much, Mom.
3: P.S. I know where the scissors are. They're in the refrigerator. (laughs) I was cutting the shrink wrap off the blueberries, and I... (laughs)
0: made walk in the room like there's nothing to prove When you trust me, I will trust you As a young girl, I knew something within Was telling me I could do what the boys did Though they don't laugh, I could see in their eyes They were all scared where I'd go if I tried It's about trusting, ooh, that I can Do the job justice, just like a man Walk in the room like there's nothing to prove When you trust me I would trust you. Believe when I say that he touched me that way. I'm not looking for pity. I felt enough shame. Call me an actor putting on a show. But I know what I know and I know I said no It's about trusting, ooh, that I can Do the job justice, just like a man Walk in the room like there's nothing to prove When you trust me, I will trust you When you trust me, I will trust you Trust me, and I'll trust you.
6: Zippy Lasky, Zippy Lasky, really powerful Zippy. Okay, it's time for open mic. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Tonight at open mic, we have Mo. She just got to the island, but from what I understand, not by washing up. All oh, right. No, no. She looks good. Ah, oh, she's dry. Mm. She didn't wash up. She arrived. Yeah. And she's here at open mic. Yeah, Mo. Mo Mo, everybody.
5: Thank you, thank you. Well, you know, I'm new here and I am a writer, so I'm gonna be asking a lot of you to share your stories with me over the next few months. So I thought it was only fair that I start by sharing one of my own first. So, here it goes. My silver strands started coming in in my late 20s, and I quickly settled into a rhythm of dyeing them. Every six weeks, then every four, then every three. I'd ensconce myself in the bathroom and rub chemicals on my head, giving in to a low-level anxiety about whether my roots were showing, resolved to keep the mask intact. Whenever I thought about just stopping, my anxieties got louder. Are you ready to look a decade older? You're a professional actor. Are you ready to never be cast again? Who knows what's even underneath all that color? What if it's hideous? But the vigilante justice of the Me Too movement finally buoyed me. As I watched women around the country muster up the courage to overthrow the demons of silence and submission, I was inspired to make a brave leap of my own. So at 36, I decided to grit my teeth and stop dyeing my hair. Stop living as if my primary value was as decoration. Stop participating in this ritual that I resent. I decided to stop believing that my worth is contingent on an appearance of youthfulness, or at least stop behaving as if it does. The growing out process was agonizing. The world's slowest transformation, like crossing the country by foot versus the easy plane ride of a dye job. The landscape morphs, oh, so slowly. No way out, but through, as the line separating your dyed hair from your natural hair marches slowly down your scalp. (laughs) The seasons change and still you haven't arrived. Like serving out a sentence commensurate with the time you spent evading the truth. Now the early months of bearing my roots were like the first tentative minutes on a nude beach. A constant cringe. I was sure everyone was looking at me. The ugly little band of salt and pepper straddling my part felt like a neon scarlet letter. Advertising not wantonness, but worse, sloppiness. Sloppiness a dereliction of the basic duties of womanhood. Now the best I could do was assure everyone around me that I had donned the letter by choice. That that I knew what I was doing. That I was making a point. But turning your body into a manifesto is uncomfortable, to say the least. One doesn't simply shrug off a lifetime of internalized gender norms. Our worlds and minds are steeped in them. The male gaze has been so powerful for so long that it doesn't require a man to wield it. It's the water we swim in, the gaze of the world, the criteria by which we're appraised and by which we appraise. Now, It's one thing for women to look around at the patriarchy outside of ourselves, right? One thing to draw a clean line between the oppressors and the oppressed. Vow to turn the tables, right the wrongs, level the playing field, burn it all down. It's another thing entirely to uproot the tendrils that have taken root in our own minds. To begin to discern the oppressive voice that mm, sounds an awful lot like our own. To realize that the world outside has seeped slowly and steadily within. The first people in my life to define the rules and boundaries of femininity were all girls. A friend who told me in the seventh grade that I looked weird in a bikini a group of popular girls who watched me try to curl my hair in the locker room after gym class and laughed at me for doing it wrong. Another friend told me she was embarrassed to be seen in public with me because my clothes were so weird. Their voices live in my head still, decades later. And I learned quickly how to turn that same sharp meanness onto myself and onto other women, a preoccupation with the number on my bathroom scale An unkind teasing of a girlfriend with a dusting of hair above her lip. A malicious shared giggle if a schoolmate wore something that seemed to try too hard or not hard enough. All of it wrapped up in one basic assumption. As women, our appearance is all. Now, a lack of natural beauty can be forgiven, sure. But a lack of perfectly calibrated effort in the direction of beauty, mm -mm, now that's inexcusable. Pathetic. Now here's the hard truth. Patriarchy is also perpetrated by women. We make up more than half the world's population. We play an outsized role in raising and socializing children. Ain't no worldview getting predominant without our help and active participation. When those girls told me in junior high that I was doing womanhood wrong, I believed them. And my solution then, as now, was to decide that doing womanhood was dumb. In high school, the first time I heard Ani DeFranco sing, I am not a pretty girl, that's not what I do. I thought, yes, pretty is not just something you are, it's something you do. And it's something you can decline to do. When I played that song for a college boyfriend and told him how much it resonated with me, He tried to assure me that I am, in fact, pretty. (sighs) You You don't get it, I told him. What I was trying to express is the utter irrelevance of being pretty, right? The vacuity of it, the stupid, boring smallness. A woman busy doing pretty is busy not doing a lot of other more important and useful things. Yeah, but still, still, I could only take my anti-beauty stance so far. I wore baggy overalls in college, tied bandanas on my head, rolled my eyes at the sorority girls with all my counterculture friends. But when half the theater department got drunk one night and decided we should all shave my, our heads, well, I hemmed and hawed. I watched my gorgeous best friend, Rita, jump right in and offer up her long, dark waves to the buzzer without hesitation. And I remember thinking, well, yeah, sure, she can get away with it. Rita was all symmetry and soaring cheekbones. Even with a shaved head, Rita would still be beautiful. It would only be more so. I would just be a lump of overalls and a couple of <laughs> Polish jowls. <laughs> I couldn't do it. Now well-seasoned with salt and pepper at 37. I find myself surrounded by women letting their gray come in. I see them at the grocery store, jogging by me at the lake. To these women, I send the silent message, yes, I see you, you can do it. It feels like resistance and celebration and liberation, the modern-day version of throwing our bras into a bonfire. Now, this is not to say that we need to abdicate the whole realm of beauty to be sufficiently woke. There are women who love the way they look with dyed hair, more power to them, and a red lip looks divine under a mane of silver. Beauty and its pursuit can be infused with great joy and creativity and expressiveness. It can be a terrific party, but a party that you resent but must attend every day isn't much of a party at all, right? That's just an unpaid job. Now I have no illusions that my gray hair is going to vanquish the patriarchy, the one surrounding me or the one within. But this is how transformation happens. Inch by painful, beautiful, awkward, authentic inch. Thank you.
4: You're listening to The Roar of the Female Humans.
2: Please welcome for the conversation, my special guest, Robin Hickman. Come on up, Robin. So you are an artist. You are a civic activist. You are a media producer. You are the great niece of Gordon Parks. So much to get to in a 20 minute conversation and I promise we will cover it all. We'll try. So what I want to start with is your, um, your art and what you call your life's calling. You told me it was your life's calling. You create and you design soulful dolls. Yes. Please tell us what, those soul, what your soulful dolls are. They're amazing.
7: Well, I cannot create the soulful dials or touch the souls that I've been called to touch without first, and if you will forgive me, I have to first always give honor to the creator because I can't touch souls without doing that.
2: Okay, thank you. And I
7: have to first thank you because to be discarded, but then to create and gift us with a platform to that in which you have touched souls with this gift to us in this such a witty artistic way, but then provide within this space and opportunity for others who have been discarded to to speak their truth is amazing. Oh thank you. There's a powerful note. Thank you. People don't do that. They just they just waddle in their discardedness and just, you know, and just stay there stuck. But there's a a very powerful poem by Maya Angelou, of course. Mm -hmm. And then this is part of my work and calling is um, lifting up and breathing life into young people. And she has a poem, A Pledge to Rescue Our Youth. And it talks about what we must do to ensure that they have a destiny. And I, I read the poem often and I get this, you know, roaring applause because it's Maya Angelou, of course. But then I ask the question, but who will rescue the rescuers?
2: Yeah, right. Good point. Yeah.
7: And so I, I cannot, if I don't say anything else, I have to say when we're discarded and we are dismissed and discounted and disrespected, God bless those who decide to rescue us. So I just need to say that. I'm going to hush now and listen and answer the question. So a celebration of soulful dolls. Yes, your
2: soulful dolls. That's my I...
7: art. I'm an artist. Um, I think that in my work, and since I was very little, uh, my mother raised us to know um, the power of play. But um, also, she, my sister and I, we knew, and my mother knew that it was important for us to play with dolls that looked like us. Um, there were experiments done in the 50s where, uh, yes, yes, yes. I have, a, I have a beautiful doll that looks like Regina. I customized a, a soulful doll that looks like Regina. I took a suitcase full of dolls that I customized to Ghana, West Africa that look like Regina because girls in Africa do not have dolls that look like them. And it's important.
2: Yeah, it is.
7: It's important. And there was an experiment done that was a part of, and Uncle Gordon took the famous photograph of the Brown versus Board of Education experiment that was done where children, black children were asked to choose a doll between a black doll and a white doll that they preferred or that was the most beautiful, that was, you know, the smartest. And many of the children did not pick the doll that looked like them. Mm -hmm. So for me, in creating soulful dolls and collecting dolls, and even uh, giving an Asian girl for the first time her first Asian Barbie. Yeah. That's powerful. Or last year when I was able to give Esmeralda a girl in my program, loving the skin I'm in. I'm very proud that I'm called mama loving by girls that look like most of you. Because all girls need a safe place to feel strong and cared for. See, this is serious, I'm blessed. My soul touching work, and that's my company. I am the CEO an executive producer of Soul Touch Productions. Remember the show Soul Train. <laughs> my company is Soul Touch, and one of my my programs is Loving the Skin I'm In. But Esmeralda was a girl in, in Loving the Skin I'm In, and one day she was she was very sad, a Latino girl, and she was very sad, and she asked me would I have Loving the Skin I'm In in Mexico because her family had to go back, and to be able to gift her a Frida Carlo Barbie and say, you need to ta- I want you to take her back to Mexico with yeah. you so that you're reminded that you are strong and beautiful and brave, like she is. So my soulful dolls are not a play thing, and I love them, but you know what, at the end of the day, when I can use these hands and create and envision and make something beautiful, that keeps me strong and healthy. You know, it keeps me strong and healthy. And when one of my loving sisters of a lighter hue can take one of a doll that looks like me home to her family and teach her family that the doll that looks like me is beautiful and worthy, that's a little something.
2: No, it's it's incredible. It's incredible. And this you're talking about this class with uh, Battle Creek Elementary School. Oh
1: yes. Yes.
2: And so you have a, a a course. Love called "Love and the Skin I'm In," yes. and you talked about uh, like the dolls—they're Barbie dolls.
7: They're Barbie dolls. Yeah. They're Barbie dolls.
2: M- Mattel. Mattel. Oh, I'm sorry. The Mattel, Mattel doll. for all yes. the Barbie people. Yes. Uh, it's Mattel, and so you've got it. You can go online. You can go online and see these and see these dolls. They're yes. absolutely amazing, and they have these incredible outfits on that just—and their hairstyles and their makeup and their jewelry—and <laughs> it's it's either very very West African or very very. East LA or whatever, right? I mean, it's just, it's just incredible. And so it's interesting to me is you talked about when you just said that you took the dolls to West Africa, that you had some of the white girls in the class writing letters. Oh, yes.
7: oh it was amazing. Um, in 2017, I took Love and the Skin I'm in to, to Ghana. And um, I have had love in, in just about every school district in the Twin Cities metro. And at Lake Elmo, that was there for like five, six years. And then preparing for my journey to, to Ghana, my loving sisters at Lake Elmo, they were fifth and sixth graders, they helped me prepare. And they all wrote letters and made cards for their sisters in Ghana. And it was just so beautiful. And yes. to see this for my sis, the sisters in, in Ghana to open those cards, and letters. We can do this, ladies and gentlemen. We really, mm-hmm. really can do it. It was it was really something. You know,
2: I was fascinated about the black doll, white doll experiment. Mm-hmm. And you just talked about that with Brown versus Board of Education. And um, it was actually first conducted by Kenneth and Mamie Clark Absolutely. in the late 30s and 40s. And then in 2005, there was the, there is a powerful doc she did her. i did my research i you have to i'm so i'm so taken by this by by what you're doing with this so there's a there's a documentary uh, that was uh, created in 2005 look it up on youtube yes, please. it's called a girl like me 2005 and they recreated the experiment with young children 2005 in harlem same results awesome. same results that the white dolls were more preferred, and there's one, there's one uh, a point in the documentary where they say which which doll is the nicer doll, which doll is is the is the prettier doll, which doll, and then and and they'll pick up the white doll mm-hmm. typically. One, uh, there was a girl that we see throughout the experiment in the documentary, and the question is, which doll looks like you? And she just looks at the camera, she looks at the dolls. She looks at the camera again, and she pushes the black doll towards the interviewer. Mm -hmm. It's almost like, I can't pick it up. I mean, that's... She couldn't touch it. Yeah, she couldn't touch it. And it's just, it's unbelievable. But now you said that you also, um, you recreated it.
7: Yes.
3: In one
2: of your Love and the Skin of Men classes.
7: Battle Creek Middle School in St. Paul, um, Love and the Skin of Man became a class. Now, it was an after-school program in many of the schools, but it, it was a class. Girls went to Loving Class every day and got an academic credit for healing. Wow. Every day. Bravo. And the girls wanted to recreate the dow test. So in one room, there was a white dow, Asian dow, Latina dow, white doll, black doll, white doll. And then we had a classroom where there were all the Disney princesses. And we didn't include Tiana or Jasmine. There were all the white princesses. So, Cinder, you know, so which doll did the children? And so kids of, throughout the school came through these rooms. And so the results were, you can guess. But in the princess room, which doll do you think mm-hmm. the students chose? Yeah. So we deal with even issues of body image. and But what's been beautiful over the years, um, the, the movement was inspired by a book titled um, The Skin I'm In by Sharon G. Flake. Um, and it's about a black girl named Malika who struggles with loving the skin she's in and that she goes through a journey of self-discovery. But when you are in Invergrove Heights and the loving sisterhood is all Caucasian and you have a little sister of a lighter hue and she says, I too am Malika because my freckles or my hair or my body. Yeah. I have been so blessed. Or when you have a father who may be of the conservative persuasion, but after a retreat comes to you with tears in his eyes, I want to thank you, Ms. Hickman, because my Becky is so strong now.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Because
7: all people want their daughters strong. Yeah. Now, he might not have known that at the beginning of the year, but because Becky could go home, and teach her family a little something, something about what it means to yeah. love the skin she's in. It's this been very powerful. Very,
2: it's such powerful work. It's But such I tell, work. you know what
7: I tell my, my girls and my young men in my other programs? There'll be days that Miss Robin will need you more mm.
2: than you need her. Mm-hmm.
7: And that gives them a sense of,
2: yeah. <laughs> and it's true. So you're, uh, you're the great niece of Gordon Parks. Yes. And just as a sort of a segue here, um, near the end of his life, you two uh, were, t- were conspiring to work on a project yes. about the Soulful Dolls yes. with him yes. and create a book. Tell us about that.
7: Well, I I got a call from Uncle Gordon. One, and I've been doing my soulful dolls forever. Because when we were children, my sister and I, we were kind of poor. So we may, we may have gotten a doll a year, and then still my brother's GI Joe's and created a whole little family thing. But I said, when I grow up, I have all the dolls I want. Do not ask me how many dolls I have. But one, one day, I got a call from <laughs> Uncle Gordon. Baby, when are you coming back out to New York? And he was kind of a little down. I was a little down. So I said, I'm going to pack up some dolls and take them out there. Show my dolls. And he just fell in love with them and he loved my photography. So, baby, tell me how did you achieve this shot I said, Hell, I'm not you. I just, the sun was shining bright. I pointed at the camera and took the picture, man. <laughs> what? But he, That's it. you it's know, just he would that. give me some pointers and he would show me and give me some little pointers and things. But he was like, What are you going to do with these dolls? I said, Man, Uncle Gordon, I would love to, you know, we should work on something together. But he, he passed away before we could really. You know, get to the project, but you, you know, should again, do it anyway. Yeah. I'm, oh, I'm oh, honey, do, please. You better believe it. Uh, yeah. You know, I have. I really love photographing them, but I do love sharing the dolls. Um, I can look at. I studied millinery, just to make miniature hats.
2: Yeah. There are these. You incredible. have got to
7: visit the Facebook detail. Celebration of Soho Dolls, but I do. But everything it takes to make a real hat, I study because that that saves me, to create. These things, and but Uncle Gordon, you know, he taught me. I I do. I really, I really do miss him.
5: It's but I, fun.
7: you know, over the years, you know, you work with different folks around Gordon Parks. Uncle Gordon is the man. You know, people don't. Sometimes they say, "Okay, Gordon Parks," and then until you say "Director of Shaft," you know, the people look at you like, "Who is Gordon Parks?" He, he did so many things. Mm-hmm. First black photographer for Life magazine and Vogue magazine, and fo- co-founder of Essence magazine. You know, first black director in Hollywood with a major film, The Learning Tree, of his autobiography. Read A Choice of Weapons, which chronicles his life here in, in St. Paul and in Minneapolis, where he took his first photo, fashion photograph at Frank Murphy's boutique. Oh, Worked as a waiter in the St. Paul Hotel. His music was discovered while waiting at the Lowry Hotel. Fa- fabulous. Next year will be the year of Gordon Parks. I will curate for the Minnesota Museum of American Art. I'm so excited. Uh, uh, an exhibit of his work and the uh, photographer Jamil Shabazz. And we will finally get that statue of him. Erected in, in Good for you. Plaza. Good for you. But I'm most proud of the work at the Gordon Parks High School, where we plant the seeds in young people to walk in his footsteps. You know, it is. It is. It is time. His his when he has told young people for many many years, shooting my camera proved to be more powerful than shooting a gun. Yeah. And
2: yeah. for such a time Amen. as this. Amen.
7: So we have, um, as my mother would say, um, she 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 she's here because the mm-hmm. discarded situation thing is nothing nice. Yeah. Um, I love the yellow. I've got on my yellow. Um, you know, I lift her up. I've on yellow. Mama used to say, "Always keep something yellow close by, so that on days that are cloudy or when you're feeling a little depressed, look to, look at that yellow, and it remind you, it will remind you of the light of the sun. Remember, the sun is always behind the clouds. Yeah. You know, I share that with all of my students, and a young man who was in my class who was like. In the gang life, you know, he was all through the three weeks of class. He was kind of hardcore. But on the last day of class, when he told me, what I took most from this class is what your mom said, you know, about that yellow. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to get me through, you know, help me in life a little bit. Or when I put young people, young black men on an airplane for the first time, and they're scared, and they almost break my hand holding my hand. Mm. Until the plane takes off and we break through those clouds and they see the sun and they say, "There's the sun, just like your mama said, Miss Robin." You know, again, we can do this. You know, we have to expose our young people to visions of possibility. But one thing too, I want to say, because where's where's sister sister girl who was yes, that was brilliant. All y'all are brilliant. But you know what's beautiful? <laughs> Wait. I saw you all basking in one another's light. Women, until we can learn to bask in one another's light versus blowing out one another's
2: flame. Yes. Yes. For real. Well, you, yes. you said, you, you said uh, that you're, you talked about changing the conversation and paying it forward. Mm-hmm. You did quote your mother.
7: Yes. And,
2: and I love this. Uh, two things you said. Be humble but know your worth.
7: Yes, yes. And
2: that is really powerful, I think. Be humble but know your worth. And take your rightful place in the world. Yes, yes. And you are so doing that. Thank you, Robin. You You are so doing that. Mm -hmm. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Robin. Okay, well that's our show. Thank you. Thank you to Robin Hickman one more time. And please our cast, Day Yang. Nancy Bagshaw Reesner, Shannon Custer, Regina Williams, Mo Perry, and Zippy Lasky. And tonight's episode was written by the entire cast. And thank you to our lovely engineer and male ally, Tony Axtell over there. And thank you to our volunteers, Suzanne Egley and Sherry Hall, and our sponsors... Flip on the Bird and Maya Community and Lynn Gordon and the staff here at this fabulous Nerd Social Hall. We will be back next month for another live Island of Discarded Women. Thank you.
0: It's about trusting who that I can do the job justice, just like a man walk in the room like there's nothing to prove when you trust me I will trust you when you trust me.